It's reporters assemble. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it. The sports reporters they have indeed assembled because it is Friday afternoon here in Knoxville, Tennessee. For myself, I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm joined as I am every single Friday, by my good friend, the Daily Beast, Robert Silverman. Bob, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Good afternoon, Chase. Or should I say Henry? Okay, that's... Uh... <laughs> You're never going to let this die, are you? No. Mm. Never. Never. We're going to be like 80 years old, and I'll be 103. I was going to and... say, the math here is not good for you. It's, and the... mm. it's, it's okay. Uh, we're going to be like sitting outside, like the, in the, in the virtual cafe, you know, in the matrix. And I'm just going to (laughs) go, you're just gonna be laughing. Henry, look at that Henry over there. Look, we'll be in our pods. We'll be Mm. eating the cicadas and the bugs. I'm still going to call you fucking Henry. Oh, can you explain this to me that, and did you call them cicadas and not cicadas? Uh, I did. They should be cicadas. Okay, I didn't know if there was a different thing. Okay, I was like, I, was like well, oh, there's another term. For That's those? what I thought. Uh, I was like, is there a New York way of describing these? Are they? Do they call them cicadas? Um, cicadas. It's it's mispronounced. But uh, what would you like explained? The mispronunciation or something else? Something else. Because I was walking uh, walking the dog around the neighborhood the other day, and the girlfriend and I stumbled on a dead cicada, but like it was on its back, but it was it's mm-hmm. it's stomach was all white are they all white is that a thing when they die they just go white like literal so there and and i know this from personal experience because i took a uh i took a tennis racket to one of them one time <laughs> and i was just like uh yeah oh so here's the thing me and my cousins were bored we had tennis rackets and badminton uh rackets so yeah we we went in um yeah they they're like white on the inside Okay, so that's just how they always are. Yes. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it was kind of creepy because I was like, did someone spray paint this cicada? What a weird, weird thing to do. Um, But there you go. There you go. Um, Also here, Andrew Hammond. You just heard him of the Detroit Free Press. Andrew, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. It is the beginning of college football season. Mm-hmm. I want everybody to get excited. Uh, Tennessee is 1-0. Yep. Are you feeling like 98, Chase? Are you feeling like 98? Joe Milton, Teague, Martin reincarnated? Who says no? Mm, 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 mm. Also, um, also very awkward. Bowling, that Bowling Green might be but. They might be. Scott Loeffler, shout out to him. The, but you know what's funny? Um, they were going into the, the tunnel at halftime just trolling Tennessee fans like our section just like ramping it up like we're in this bowl and it's just one of those where I was like oh what are you doing what uh <laughs> what's happening here why are why are you trolling uh, uh the Knoxville Knoxville fans I don't I don't understand but um no it was it was delightful it was it was just it was so nice to be back and um I, I just I cannot say enough gleeful things it was just there's nothing like it bob knows being a, a new yorker he knows the sec it just means more and he knows the experience is very very it's just unlike anything else and it was it was great like milton obviously not very accurate last night and we'll get on that in rocky top let's rock after after this show but um yeah no it was it was delightful 
Um, Smokey's back, which is important. Um, we lost all the mascots, the the actual animal mascots last year for COVID. So it's good to see them all back. <laughs> That's true, Bob. They Bob, were all gone. Bob, they... don't laugh. Mm? It's don't not you funny. dare laugh. It's not funny. I'm sorry. We missed them. Laughing. We missed them. And they're back. And it was great. And Smokey the Dog is great. And um, it was it was a lot of fun. Tion Evans looking like Alvin Kamara 2.0. I'm, uh, I'm all about it. I'm feeling good. What could go wrong in a Tennessee season? And also, just the sound of it's football time in Tennessee as the kickoff happens. Oh, it, it, like I was just euphoric. Just euphoric. I had high school football last weekend going again tonight. Like, it's just what a wonderful time of year. What a the fall. It feels like fall outside. Do you, do you, do you hear the gleam in my voice, guys? Like, it's, it's yes, genuine. You're, you're quite happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. I'm happy. Bob. Yeah, what's, what's new up? with you? Did you go see some football? Uh no no I did mm. um how's Max I, I am preparing for my fantasy draft on Monday night okay um I'm picking I'm picking third which is very exciting for me so I'm looking not to not to not to give away my strategy to the rest of my uh fellow fantasy football enthusiasts who I'm drafting with mm-hmm. on on Monday. But uh, and and they're probably not not to insult the scope and reach of this podcast. Oh, but a lot of them come from like uh, the disinformation and far right research beat. Mm. Oh my god, um, why? Oh, oh, it's it's from that beat. Sorry, I was I was yes. kind of freaking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people who cover, um, I think shitheads would be a broad <laughs> enough term to describe their their That reportage. is that is fair. It's it's how I describe it to to my significant other, and she hates it. I say I'm on the shithead beat, <laughs> um, which covers, I think, pretty much a lot of the reporting I do. Um, in any case, a bunch of those dudes and I are in a fantasy league together, and I'm picking third, and I'm thinking Kamara third. Ooh, that's a safe pick. That's a, I, I, not necessarily I, I, safe, but it's a if you if you wanted to get him third and he was there absolutely it's a it's a 0.5 ppr league just to give everyone some context um so it's either him or or tennessee's own uh mr henry Mm. i think i don't i don't have any love for ezekiel i think he's washed oh there's a there's a drop off coming absolutely yeah Um, i didn't hear um i didn't hear um why I'm already blanking on our oh we got Wayne Gallman just signed with the Falcons, Mike Davis the biggest thighs in the NFL can't go wrong there. Those are some impressive meat meat hooks. I mean, how are you tackling that? I don't know what you're doing. Would you be able to wrestle Mike Davis to the ground? The the high school superstar wrestler Bob Summerman. Could you get Mike Davis on the ground? <laughs> no. Mm. No. Andrew, could you? What? Get Mike Davis on the ground. No. And nah. do I want to try? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would go well. I, I don't think I'd even try. Like, I really don't think I'd... I, I, I saw somebody tackle him in a preseason game, and it was definitely... It was like, oh, okay. They got him down to the ground, and I'm just like... He's one of those guys in the league, that, which there are many, that you're like, you know what? I don't want to tackle that guy. Like, I don't want to be in the vicinity if i have to tackle that guy one on one v one i mean gang tackle fine but like one v one nope mm -mm, i'm good yeah well in positive news for bob did you hear what romo said about zach wilson this week bob uh 
no. What did Tony Romo say about my Mormon son? <laughs> is he Mormon? Yeah. Yeah, he went to BYU. I know so he went to like, BYU, but that's not a requirement. I didn't know he he's actually from was. from Utah. Mm. Yeah. Like okay. he, yeah, his, you haven't seen his mom's Twitter page? Jeez. Well, Andrew, do you know, uh, do you know what uh, Tony Romo referred to Zach Wilson as? Oh, I, I am very afraid, but let's roll. His bay? Did he refer to him as his his bay? As his uh, he has Patrick Mahomes ability. You know what? There are parts of that I agree with because if you saw Zach Wilson at BYU, you would be like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you feel about that, Bob? A little bit of Patrick Mahomes at him? Really? Is this a new comp? It's a new comp. He watched watched the preseason tape. A little bit of Mahomes. Uh, You feeling better? I don't see it. No? Sorry. Uh, I see it. In, in, In terms of, like, extending plays... Uh, his arm like, strength is there it. too. Like, like he yes. does, he's whack. Platform throws. Mm. Look at me. He's so yes, um, but you know what I what game really kind of sealed it for me? Like when I when I think of Patrick Mahomes type throws, uh, it was I, I think it was San Diego State last year. He made some like tremendous throws. Uh, the the coastal game when. Uh, which I will argue was the game of the year in college football. It was. Um, uh, and, w- you know, when Coastal wasn't basically giving him uh, repeated elbow drops, uh, i.e. I. Eddie Guerrero, um, <laughs> I he looked absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, no, I I buy that. I, I, I buy the – I buy where what direction Romo was going – uh, we will see it on the field in what seven, eight days. So yeah, yeah, let's roll. Get excited. Be optimistic, Bob. It could be different with Zach Wilson. I think he's it the could. most high upside quarterback y'all have had in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, that's certainly true. That's I mean, a, that's a positive look, thing. The, it's exciting. The Jets quarterback since Joe Namath, the best one was probably. One year of Vinny Testaverde. I thought they were going to say Neil O'Donnell. Uh, it's either Vinny or, or or those couple of years when Chad Pennington was healthy. Oh, That's so, good. oh goodness, Bob I, Bob! I got a question. Sure. And you've and you've been around, and I'm not like trying to date you or anything on this, but do you think that there's maybe been this much hype on a Jets QB rookie QB since maybe Richard Totter? Ken O'Brien. People were very excited about Sam Darnold a couple of years ago. They were. <laughs> Which Ken, is Ken, here's the problem with Ken O'Brien. Ken O'Brien was even when he was drafted, immediately Jets fans were getting, getting mad that they didn't take Marino. And well, then Marino, of course, they, was was great from the moment he walked yeah, onto a field. But so my my favorite thing about the whole Marino Ken O'Brien thing is that pretty much. Until Ken O'Brien was out the league, he always had Marino's number in those games. Yeah, he did. Ken O'Brien was a perfectly fine quarterback. If they hadn't passed on Marino, no one would be crapping on good old Cal Davis's Ken O'Brien. Um, the most hype. There was a lot of hype for Pennington. 
People were very excited when they got Penny. I, for, I forgot he was drafted by the Jets. For some reason, I kept thinking that he was traded, like as he he was drafted, or it was like a draft day trade or something. So my bad they on that. They got him as part, I believe, of the compensation package for John Abraham when they traded that's him. That's right. Okay, I think that's what I was thinking. That was about. the year when they had four first round draft picks, one of which came for as compensation for Bill Belichick uh signing with the Patriots. Oh uh, yeah. Or fun and times. Other, and the other two were I think the John Abraham trade. And so they got some guys. They got that that first round class that year they got Pennington was and I'm going to try to do this without googling. It was uh Sean Ellis Pennington Anthony Becht. Decent. And there's one of... I gotta Google it. God dang it. I hate myself for not remembering a 20-year-old draft. Debrickashaw Ferguson. Debrickashaw Ferguson. It's the 2000 Jets draft, yes. He was, what, 10 at that point? No, no, no. Sorry, it was Ellis. They did draft Abraham. That was the draft they got. They drafted Abraham. John Abraham. Yes. Atlanta John Falcons Abraham. legend, John the Abraham. Shaw didn't show up for another four years. It was oh, Ellis, Abraham, okay. Pennington, and Becht. And two of those, uh, one was for a Belichick compensation, and I forget how they got the other two picks. But mm. um, they drafted some guys. Sean Ellis was a perfectly good defensive end. Abraham was their best pass rusher of the last two decades. He was also and the Falcons' just, last, but the best pass rusher for the last yeah. two decades. Uh, John Abraham like couldn't mm. walk without getting the shakes at the end of his life, but he was an extremely good pass rushing DE. Um, Wait, what? Penny? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like John Abraham suffered some serious health issues towards the end of his career. Oh. Yeah. Um, mm. But on a brighter note, Pennington was—he had a noodle arm, but he was very accurate. And good at anticipating when guys would break open. He just couldn't stay healthy. He had a good year when he came back with the Dolphins for one year, too. But he was Randy Moss's quarterback, man. He threw all those touchdowns to Moss at Marshall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Byron Leftwich, Pennington. Very crazy run. Randy Moss, that Marshall run is, is pretty wild. Um, oh, yeah. Also, Andrew, how annoying is it that we don't get Marshall, West Virginia anymore? They just don't play at all. You know, it's one of those rivalries that's like there's a litany of of how come X doesn't play Y anymore or something like that. I mean, it's just like it's honestly, I like the aspect of making like some I'm good with seeing every year, but then I'm some, some are like, you know what? If they took a year or two off, cool. Like I wouldn't hate that. Um, but I think they'll eventually play each other. Uh, because I, I, I think that there is a regional, the, the more conferences become less regional, I think we're going to start seeing more, uh, region centered matchups. Hmm. Um, and I think that we do need to see uh, some of the state's best go up against each other. Cincinnati and Ohio State, get it done. Um, well, we got Cincinnati in the Big 12 coming up. 
not hating it. Uh, and, and the thing is, like, people were kind of jumping on me for saying, oh, well, what about the Alliance? The Alliance doesn't even freaking matter. Like, they're, they're, they basically had a meeting to have a meeting. They didn't get anything in writing, which is the no, main thing. They, well, Nothing's they, in writing. Know, There's they, no penalty they, for breaking up they, the Alliance. There's nothing. They, they looked at each other and they shook hands. It's a great way of doing business. That's the important thing. Um, Bob, this is unfortunate, but we have to talk about your very on very online baseball team owner. (laughs) (laughs) What a week! Talk about the Mets this week, huh? Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Did the thumb sound thing? Was that this week? It feels like that was already a lifetime ago. That was like Monday or Tuesday. We learned that, that Sandy Alderson had a son in the organization who got promoted. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh smell that nepotism, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, for those who aren't been keeping track with the Mets, this week, mm-hmm. when they finally pulled the game off the tanking Washington Nationals, it has been revealed as, as part of their sort of... The Mets have had a lot of weird sort of hand gestures that they do to one another when they get a big hit. Mm. They've done it for a while. There was a period back in 2018, I'm going to say, where they had some older players and so they would do a... They would mimic grunt using a pepper mill as if to say, look, we've got salt and pepper hair. Whatever. It's baseball. Um, mm. So, evidently, Javi Baez and, and Francisco Lindor, they didn't like being booed were not being able to hit and so when they did actually get on base they would signal thumbs down to one another and this has been going on for a while but no one caught it because the Mets weren't able to get on base (laughs) then someone finally asked him about it and instead of coming up with a half decent line like a lie they openly admitted that they're mad at their fans for the booing them and then we got like two days worth of the booing discourse we had buster only getting all up in his high dudgeon about whether freaking like javi Baez had tanked his free agency value or something then there were some fake non-apologies then the owner tweeted i always steal the controversy with the black jerseys shut the fuck up Shut up! Log off! It's not funny! <laughs> I can just tell he just... Bob's so over this team in this season, uh, but it just seems like another wave of shit just keeps coming. It does! And... It does! And then they, you know, won a couple of games and sort of everyone kind of let it go. They had a bias <laughs> the day after the whole Boogate thing happened. <laughs> scored on a mad dash from first after a bobble double and you know good and then the gm is the assistant out. gm the assistant acting, gm show acting, some respect robert acting general manager <laughs> who was the former general manager who was fired amidst allegations of sexual harassment oh wait that was him Jack Scott took over <laughs> for jared porter jared porter mm-hmm. it gets better was fired for amidst allegations of sexual harassment, and this came after the former manager was also named in an ongoing years-long sexual harassment uh, investigative article, which the Mets apparently just didn't know anything about. So Zot 
Zach Scott took over for Porter when Porter was shit canned. And then he, after, and someone evidently felt it was very important to tell beat reporters that the event took place at the owner's home during some kind of charity gala, but the whole thing was over by 9 p.m. So it's definitely not the owner's fault <laughs> that the general manager was asleep in his uh, Remember, yeah. weren't there players there too? Yes. Yes. <laughs> which which I I like how they like slip that in there and I'm like okay great uh, like it's, and it's, now the, the players general manage acting general manager has been put on administrative leave the entire team needs to be flushed down the toilet <laughs> in a nice purgative fire like it, it's just the Mets the you know, people have often parsed the the question of why are why do people say LOL Mets? And it's not because they're bad, although they often are quite bad at baseball. Go Braves. No no team will figure out ways to achieve great heights and terrible lows, but always, always, always find some way to humiliate themselves. To, to Bob, to be fair though, to be fair, it's um, it's my favorite Metsism might be from uh, Slam Mag- former Slam Magazine editor uh, Russ Bankston, mm-hmm. which is God damn it, Mets. He does. He's got like, if if you if you're a fan of like late '90s, early 2000s basketball magazines and some angry tweets about the Mets, Russ makes for an outstanding follow. Um, it's just been completely ridiculous. And the entire team is injured in various ways, and they're qu- and the, and a lot of the talent they brought they have like the third highest payroll in the majors, but they're quite bad. Um, it's making people pine for the Wilpons. Mm. That's how bad it's been, which is wild. Yeah, we need I, that story to come out with the Wilpons being at the party. That needs to be the next part of it. Yeah, I don't think they get invited to like fancy no. hedge fund guys' charitable events. They're too. They're like, they're like leathery Long Island real estate magnets. They don't run in Cohen's financial circles, man. That's a different grade. Interesting. They have not reached that echelon. But also, and like, because you... they were not able to reach that echelon is one of the reasons why they were not qualified to own a major league baseball. Team. Well, you as a Mets fan, like, when people do yes. this, and we see this with the Knicks, right? Like, this is something you've you've dealt with. Also, with... a Knicks fan, by the way. Right. And a Jets fan. I've made some bad choices. Your but, question? but. A a new, a new Tennessee Volunteers fan. So one positive there. Yeah, go Vols. See, um, I don't like the uniforms. They need something to break up all that orange. No, what? disagree. That's a terrible take. Oh, dude, dude. You know what, Bob? I I, I should I, I would advise you to go to Knoxville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and say okay. that. Okay, you lost me at advise you to go to Knoxville. Oh, but sure. Oh, look, the Yankee bat. I'm sorry. Did Bob not style. say last year that he wanted to go down here for a game when things cleared up? I can I pull do. the tape. I, I can pull I the do tape. I want to go down there for a game. I'm just making a joke now. So just I'm shots fired, myself. Bob. We need um, to have the Max Khaleesi what, meeting. They had black for a couple of years. Just a little hint of black on the. What do you mean a couple of years? That was one game. It happened once. That was one Lane Kiffin game. That was it. Oh, oh, with the black unis? Yeah, that was the Halloween oh, that night. Was that was terrible. it. Not all black. No, no, no. I some think he's, so, so, okay. So, Bob, perfect perfect example. Mm. Go to 2003 Tennessee-Miami 
you will see the like perfect Tennessee uniform with the hints of black and the road uniforms. You will be the happy. White roads. Yes, white road uniforms. Two thousand three, uh, Tennessee, uh, Miami. Is this some Casey Clawson stuff you got going on here? Yeah. Well, you know what? Hey. Uh, yeah. There you go. It's an outline on the numbers. That's it. No thanks. Hard pass. That's all they need. Uh, Ch- Chase, to be fair. Chase, to be fair, the last time y'all actually rode, y'all actually wore uniforms like that on the road, you guys were actually relevant. So I'm sorry. Did um, we not win a national title without the black accent? Um, no, no, no. You actually did. You, 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 you won a title with them. So, no, we didn't. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys wore you guys wore the home uniforms that year. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Mm-hmm. You, Look at you, that. You it's that. a tiny bit. It, all it does mm-hmm. is make the orange pop a tiny little bit. It's barely noticeable. That is a better designed football uniform. Won't stand Just, for it. We're, we're the grays. I like, I like the, the smoky grays. Mm-hmm. The smoky grays are amazing. I wish they'd bring like those back. Or you could do a dark gray highlight for the smoky mountains and whatnot. Well, we Don't. have smoky grays. Have you seen those, Bob? Yeah. They, they, uh, Bob, They're Jesus top Christ, notch. Bob, do your Googles. <laughs> Tennessee Vols smoke. <laughs> He's actually Googling it. Of course I'm Googling it. No, those are bad. Those suck. Oh, wow. Wow. Another That's terrible take. Oh. Gray is not a good football uniform color. You know what? I, I, I will agree, and but there are some teams that can get away with it. Yeah, it should be their colors to be orange and a like a granite gray. Oh, it's so like anthracite. Just say yeah. the word, Bob. Sure. Ew, ew, ew. Or graphene, if you if you prefer. I don't know, man. But there are ways to pull it off without it being Halloween colors. Is what I'm saying. Hater. Last I'm not a thing, hater. and we'll. I just have a fine arts degree. There's a difference. <laughs> um, the last thing, and we'll we'll do this quickly, and we'll wrap up here today. Andrew. Um, Tebow, first take. Stephen A. Smith, Michael Irvin. Wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. So you're telling me that in addition to Michael Irvin, mm-hmm. they are getting Tim Tebow? Yes, it's a rotating cast list to debate Stephen A. Smith. Oh, Jesus Christ! Uh, <laughs> wait, is, is, you mean Kellerman, not Stephen A. Smith? No, Kellerman's gone. Yeah, Kellerman. Right. Kellerman's going to ESPN Radio full time, mm-hmm. which right. So Which there's going to be a rotating cast against, against Stephen A. on first take. It's it's to replace Kellerman, not yes. to replace Stephen A. Okay. Correct. Jesus Christ. Um, I don't. I, here's the thing. I don't watch first take. You guys know my thoughts on first mm-hmm. take and the first take uh, debate culture of sports media and just sports content altogether these days. So I'm going to save you all that. Uh, I'm not watching, but I guarantee you, if it's ever going to be on mute, I can still hear their loud asses. Mm. I, I'm not really, they're considering Tebow. They really think people will watch to watch Tebow. They might not be wrong. Actually. Why am I even bringing that up? Tebow will absolutely bring in viewers. It couldn't get any, it couldn't get any sillier. So why not? But he's also just not built for a Stephen A. Smith argument. Like that's the, I don't, he's he's too too nice nice. for it. He's He's too too laid back for it. And here's the thing. Uh, I'd say by November, they're going to have the other dumb Acho brother, um, (laughs) which I heard him last night during the uh, during the intermission of or not intermission, but the the weather delay with UCF and Boise State, and I'm like, you know what? I didn't think they could actually do it, but they made another one. 
just as bad. Awesome. Cool. Sweet. Hate everything. Mm. Not about it. Uh, Bob, your pick of the week. There is a delightful article that got published this morning mm-hmm. um, by Alan Seppenwall, who is a TV friend of the pod. Yeah, Rolling reporter. Stone. Friend of the pod. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Nice pull. Alan Seppenwall, I actually, years ago, used to frequent the old Knicker Blogger fan forums. Did he? And would post, yeah, he would post there quite often. Not to out him. Sorry, Alan. But he would post on, on knickerblogger.net after a game. Shout and, out to Mike Curlio. And in the various uh, chats. Mm. Uh, but so I know I actually didn't realize who he was when he was posting there. And I just knew him as this guy, Al Sepp. And years later, I was like, oh, that's who that is. Cool. Uh, Alan Seppenwalt wrote, um, I believe it's him who wrote it. It may have been someone else. But there's a whole bunch of stories that are coming out in Rolling Stone this week uh, about the new Sopranos movie, The Many Saints of Newark. And there is a profile of Michael Gandolfini, who is stepping into his father's shoes, literally, and playing young Tony Soprano. And it's it's really just, it is a, I won't spoiler any of the heart-wrenching moments, but there are a lot of them. And it's a really very touching thing. And not that I needed any more encouragement to see this movie, but for those fired up. who might be, I'm fired up. I'm amped. More so than high school football on a Friday night. Friday Night Lights. More so than that. Yeah. yeah okay. Definitely. Andrew Hammond, <laughs> your pick of the week. Uh, yeah. Uh, literally this entire weekend, college football is mm. back. Um, uh, if, if you want to, I'll say this. If you want to overreact, fine. But there's literally, I'd say, nothing to overreact to this weekend. Like, if Alabama doesn't, if, if Alabama doesn't, uh, went outright over over Miami. Don't freak out. If I don't expect Clemson and Georgia to be a blowout, if it is, I, I, I'd be that'd shocked. be pretty surprising. But, yeah, but once again, don't freak out. Uh, yeah. Now I think you you have a right to freak out if you're Georgia and you get blown blown out by Clemson. Honestly, I think they'll be okay because here's the thing: we've seen it before. You can you can either get blown out or not look good in a game and still make the playoff. Like, for sure. But it's just a lot of pressure good, on that Florida game. If you look at that Georgia yeah. schedule, it's Clemson and Florida, and they're going to blow out everybody else. It's a pretty, pretty easy I, schedule. You're, you're you're giving Florida a little too much credit. I mean, Florida. I, I picked Florida and Texas A&M to win the SEC this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I get it, but I'm just if that game was in the swamp, I. I'd buy it, but mm. yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, I I, I picked uh, Georgia to win the national championship. Oh, so. no. Oh, no. How dare yeah. you? I know. How dare you? I know. No, I actually picked Clemson. That's why it's funny. Um, Before the season, I think DJ Ugalay is going to be an absolute monster, and Will Shipley is going to gonna be great, and that defense going to be going to be loaded. Um, Give me uh, give me the Tigers, but I am going to watch Ohio State later tonight from their game last night against Minnesota. So more uh, yeah, film to get you know into. I'd, um, yeah, good, good game. Um, if it don't freak out too much, like okay. they're fine. Um, my pick of the week: Title Town High. Yes, the Netflix documentary on Valdosta High School. 
Um, South Georgia is it Rush Probst. Rush Probst. Yes, it is. Oh God, Andrew, you got to binge it. You got to binge it. It's eight episodes, twenty minutes piece. Fantastic stuff. Delightful. There's nothing better. I, I love it so much. If you love two a days, you'll love Title Town. Rush, Rush, still talking about beating the piss out of everybody. It in different words. Different words. Same. Same meaning. Same. Okay. Same style. He hasn't changed at all. Um, it's a. It's a wild wild ride but i'm i'm here for it and i would watch that show every day never get bored of it and also just rush probes doing any type of pregame speech is just one of the more hilarious oh, it fires things. you up it, it, it definitely he fires says you nothing up. he says nothing it's but just words it's just words it's words grant it's just word vomit it, he has no idea what he's talking about when he's saying it's all very generic but it fires everybody up and you're like yeah he'll walk into a locker room after game be like y'all sucked and he'll just look at people and like you're awful and it's it's incredible. These are high school kids. Um, it's a it's a wild ride. But in the South, the SEC, college football, high school football, just means more. Bob, we can find you on Twitter at Bob Sayeta. You can follow Andrew True. on Twitter at A Ham Free Press. Go subscribe to the Detroit Free Press and the Daily Beast if you have not already done so. And if you have any email questions for us, please feel free to email us at Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe on sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com where I'm writing a sports column every single day and if you like listening to us five star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts would be delightful guys I will talk to you next week sweet alright it is Friday afternoon so you know what that means you know it's Rocky Top Let's Rock with my fellow Tennessee volunteers of the UTK Daily Beacon, it's Ethan Stone. Ethan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. 1-0, first in the SEC. People forget the Tennessee volunteers. Um, also here, Ryan Shumpert of Rocky Top Insider. Ryan, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be on again. Glad to be talking about some football along the last and a win i don't know when the last time we, we were discussing a win on here was but it's been a long time i mean it, it's been a long time it was uh it was it was a while it's been a bit was it vanderbilt was that it was that yeah it's been the last win uh-huh. oh my goodness we had a different quarterback at that time it wasn't even jg it was hb um man that's where we should start because i think it's interesting if you watch back the the film like the actual tv footage versus what it was like where i was sitting and just seeing what i could see like my angle and what milton was seeing like it was great that i was able to see what milton was able to see and it's funny because one of the great things about tennessee fans is they are they're extremely passionate and they will yell every thought that is coming out of like every thought that comes to them is coming out of their mouth in in these games and it's delightful so there were some just some some crazy fans behind me and it was it was great because milton on the the cedric tillman uh touchdown bomb i have never heard of a more no 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 okay that's fine like it was it was so good and it's gonna be the microcosm of like the joe milton experience where we're just gonna be like no 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 no. okay that's fine i guess like that's that's fine um he throws extremely hard um he has really good vision um running the football I thought the RPO stuff was good. Um, I am worried about the Cooper Mays injury. I don't know if you have anything on this and what that's going to be. Um, but him going down was was rough. 
Um, I don't know how much that affected things um, in the second, third, and fourth quarter. But Joe Milton, uh, he came as advertised where it's like his completion percentage, I don't think is going to be like Harrison Bailey 70%. But I also think he's going to take more chances downfield than Harrison ever would. I think he moves around the pocket a lot better than Harrison does. I think obviously more deep shots than Hinton Hooker would ever take. But um, there's some stuff to like, stuff not to like. Ryan, let's start with you. What do you make of Joe Milton's game last night? Yeah, I, I thought he was underwhelming overall. I mean, you're right, there was some good and some bad, but I mean, it seemed, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was that Cooper Mays injury, but something snapped there after the first quarter. Right. He was really solid in the first quarter. I mean, he wasn't perfect. I mean, you, you saw plays where, you know, he missed timing on a receiver down the field or, or down the middle, but he. he he was certainly was he was certainly good in the first quarter. I mean, I don't think there's any way to put it besides that. And then from there, it certainly didn't have some help. He had some bad drops. Jalen Hyatt didn't have a very good game last night. But I mean, he just had two completions the rest of the game after the first quarter. One of those was a checkdown, and one of those was a touchdown. Tillman, you're referencing, and that play. I mean, even though he threw a touchdown. Uh, it wasn't really a good play. Yeah, Jalen Hyatt streaking right down the middle of the field. But to be fair, I'm going to Tillman over Hyatt right now, right? Like, I'm not. I, he was probably tired of the Hyatt stuff. He's like, no more. You had your chances. I'm going to Tillman deep. I, I guess so. And he had to, he had the running back on the check down, too. Mm-hmm. I call it a check down. The running back's probably 15 yards down the field with no one within 20 yards. That would have been the safe play. But, I, I mean, until, and you mentioned Tillman. Tillman was a guy that was kind of impressive last night. He didn't fill out the stat sheet, but he made a really nice catch on that ball. And he beat his, his defender twice for what should have been touchdowns that Milton overthrew. But but I guess that was my overall takeaway. Milton was very inconsistent, and him missing those throws down the field, I think, are what really cost him last night, what makes his performance last night look not, not very good. And then going forward, I, I think where he has to be a lot better. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Ethan, what do you make? So against Bowling Green, he can, get, he can kind of get away with stuff like that. Um, I second what Ryan said, that just his decision-making at times was a little flaky, I guess. There was one instance in the third quarter. It was, I believe, second and eight. He threw an incompletion to, I think, Jalen Hyatt on the on the far side of the field. Um, and he had Javante Payton wide open over the middle for a 25-yard gain. I mean, if he just sees that, you know, wide open first down, move the chains and you're close to um, red zone territory. He missed a he, lot of those. He did. He did. I mean, the, the thing I noticed immediately that I was actually going to say is that check down to Jabari Small was probably a touchdown on the touchdown throw. Like, there were multiple throws that were much easier that he could have made that were just a lesser degree of di- difficulty that would have gotten the ball six points that didn't involve an underthrown really good catch by Cedric Tillman. Yeah, I... It was interesting also, like, I was just keeping a mental count of targets, but it was really Velas Jones, who was hyped up so much, was not really a factor. He had one drop in this game. Was he targeted after that drop? Because, like, I, I don't really recall anything from Velas. Well, I, I don't really think he was. started over him, I believe. Yeah, but I'm yeah. just saying, like, he he was, he's been seen as, like, the leader of this uh, this group, him and Tillman, and I was just kind of surprised at his snaps and his targets in this game. I thought he would be more of a factor, especially with Hyatt just missing so much time with injury. I don't know. I was kind of surprised to see what they threw at Hyatt and what they threw at Peyton and what they threw at Tillman versus uh, Vilas. I just thought Vilas would get more 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 run. Well, I, I thought he would, too, a little bit, but, I mean, he's really, you mentioned Hyatt, I mean, it being injured. I mean, Jones is 
been dealing with more injuries True. In, in fall camp than he has, and he and he's just coming back. And I'm with you. I thought he played more. And really, I was surprised. Tennessee really did really just played those four receivers. They yeah. did not rotate receivers much at all. Did not go deep. Obviously, Jimmy Callaway was unavailable, and he's a guy I think that will be in that rotation. Uh, but I, I don't know if there was certain trying to limit Bayless just coming back from injury. You know, obviously, Pitt's game next week is going to be more critical. But I'm with you. I mean, I, I thought he would be too. You know, number two, number three receiver on, on targets, and he, he played just 35 snaps last night compared to 70 for Hyatt, 53 for Javante Payton, and Tillman was at 82. So he wasn't even in close to the ballpark that Hyatt and Tillman were. And like you said, he didn't really target them much at all either. Tillman was great. I he's he's filling the Josh Palmer role nicely. He was just yeah. like with Josh Palmer's exit, he Palmer just left all of his powers to Tillman, which is okay for me. I I'll, I'm okay with it. Um, Definitely, and that's mm. that's not really a receiver that Tennessee has either. No. If you look at their other guys, it, they're mostly speed guys, kind of burners. They they need that uh, physical presence. And you're right, he he plays a lot like Josh Palmer. Uh, maybe not the athleticism that Palmer has, but that that size and very good high pointing the ball. I'm worried about next week with Milton in terms of like the fan response because there were <laughs> there were some people getting very annoyed at Joe Milton in this game around me. A lot of season ticket holders were getting a little uneasy. Um, and what was like bringing it back to Milton a little bit with like what we were seeing with Jabari Small in the checkdowns, missing Hyatt over the middle, but like. The fans all saw this, which is like one of the crazier things is like usually you'll get like everything's moving so quickly in Tennessee's up-tempo offense. Like we can get to that too, but like they were seeing it. We were all seeing it. And I was looking over and I was just like, what, what is he missing here? Like we're facing the same direction and we can see the reads and we can see what's open and what they're giving him. And Milton was just missing him and the fans were like losing it. I don't know if y'all could tell, but the fans were really yelling a lot about Milton missing these open dudes, and uh, that was very frustrating. Yeah, I know um, specifically some of my friends were texting me throughout the game saying that exact same stuff. I mean, people seemed to want Milton to be much, much better than he was, like almost superhuman Mm -hmm. this early, and you gotta think, you know, it's his first game in a in a new system, you know, coming from Michigan, didn't play too much last year. You, you know, you're going to have those growing pains. Ethan, what did you make of his running ability? What did you make of the calls for him to to run? And he obviously had the rushing touchdown, which was pretty easy, easy scamper. Like, what did you make of his vision on running the football, taking hits? What did you What did you make of him on that on that front? Well, it seemed to be a strong suit for sure, but. I feel like he could be much better at it. He didn't really run with much anger, just in my opinion. Um, you know, he had several instances where there was one, I believe it was third and seven, maybe second and seven. He could have cut inside, but instead um, chose to kind of run it outside a little bit. And Jacob Warren missed his block, but that's kind of beside the point. He could have gotten that first down if he just kind of put his head down. And obviously, you know, quarterbacks aren't asked to do that too much, but he's a big guy. <laughs> he should he should be able to, to, you know, have that physicality to get that first down. And, you know, those just little little things like that. Obviously, you know, he had the um, couple rushing touchdowns, and that's always a good thing to see that he's not afraid to, you know, just tuck it and run sometimes. But I, I'd like to see more from him personally moving forward. What about you, Ryan? 
Yeah, and the play, I remember that play you're talking about, Ethan. I think it was the third down because that was Tennessee went for it then on fourth and short and got stuff. I think that was early in the third quarter. Um, but he was about what I expected running it. I don't disagree with anything Ethan said. He, he certainly could, I think, be a little more effective, you know, playing with a little bit more physicality and assertion in the running game. But, you know, I didn't expect him to be a great running threat. I thought what I did expect was him to be a guy that can extend some plays. And I think for the most part, he did a solid job of that last night. Now, I'll say this, he was able to stay in the pocket a lot longer than he's going to be able to move it forward. So we'll get a, a better feel for that going forward. And then, you know, mo- a lot of his runs, at least design runs, were in the red zone. And I think that makes sense. To He's not a super fast guy. I don't think he's a guy that really opens up the field with his legs a ton in the running game. But he's, he's certainly a guy that's capable. And with that size and short yardage, I, I think he'll be able to have some, some success. Well, let's talk about the running backs because they actually equaled the same amount of rushing yards. And it was one of those, I don't know if y'all picked up on this, but it was like when you looked up top and you're like, oh, we're going to rush over 300 yards in this game, where it kind of caught me by surprise just how many yards Evans and Small had picked up as a two-headed monster um, against this vaunted, vaunted front seven in Bowling Green. (laughs) Um, Ryan, what did you make of Tion Evans and Jabari Small? What did you like about both? What was the difference? Um, Obviously, the, the Kamara touchdown run is what I it's going to stand out for me and I'm sure a lot of fans but what did you what did you make of Evans debut Jabari Small getting the early looks in the first quarter um, what did you make about both both guys yeah no, that was a, a group I think we talked about on here that I thought had the potential to be really good without a lot of returning talent and another debut was was good I mean Tyon Evans especially was really impressive the touchdown run you referenced there really good and he had a handful of runs like that that he had some really nice broken tackles and he was able to get what was it 118 yards that they both had 116 yards he did it on six less carries so I, I thought he was really impressive and I, Jabari Small was about the guy I thought he was going to be I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to blow the, the door off anybody or, or really going to stand out and go man that guy's really good but he's I think he's a really really solid player and I think he's a really reliable runner and I think that showed up last night and, and look, I think one thing that's encouraging from Tennessee's run game last night, they averaged over five yards of carry, and their longest run was 21 yards. I mean, it was just consistently very, very few negative plays, if any, and then consistently at least three or four yards. Again, like you said, Chase, not uh, not playing 85 Bears out there in, no. in this bowling green front. But at the same time, how many times have we seen in the past six, I mean, ten years, Tennessee not be able to run it on, on right. bad teams early in the season. That happened plenty of times, and Tennessee was able to do it with ease last night. Ethan, what do you think? Yeah, it was definitely a good sign. I think Evans uh, especially was, was pretty dominant, especially in the third quarter, I believe. I made a note about three minutes in. Let's see, it said, yeah, 11.46. I just put, running backs are shining, and I think that captures it pretty well. Um they just hype will kind of um, move towards a run attack only thing when when Milton started to struggle a little in the second, and then he didn't really go away from it the entire rest of the game. And if you know, as the old saying goes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, with Evans and Small just running it down their throats like they were, I, I don't see any reason for them to have switched it. And they were pretty impressive, the both of them. I think they both finished with the exact same numbers: one sixteen and a touchdown. If I'm not, if I'm not wrong, but yeah, yeah right. I mean, totally opposite from Milton. They both run with anger. Like they, they, are, they want to run you over, and especially on um, Evans' 19-yard touchdown in the third, 
he was angry on that run. On the defensive side, Theo Jackson, 11 tackles, six solo, two and a half tackles for losses, five, three pass breakups. He was he was everywhere. You spoke to it at the top. Um, Ethan, what did you make of Theo's game? So Theo Jackson, I think, was the player of the game, actually, maybe beside Evans, uh, especially definitely on defense. He had 11 tackles, two tackles for loss, one almost interception. It was right in his hands, a little too fast for him, I guess. But, um, you know, as, as far as Jackson goes, that's, that's pretty impressive to see from that position, especially one that Tennessee hasn't had too much success at in the past couple years. Um, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see just how that will translate to next week's game against Pitt, against a better offense, um, you know, ones that will give him a little bit more of a run in, in the secondary and not even just Jackson in general, the secondary tackling wise, I think looked very sharp um, coverage wise. You know, there's obviously some to be desired, but they were making the tackles, the open field tackles that they needed to Alante Taylor. Those one that he absolutely blew up a play, I think to start the third and it kind of gave the crowd a little bit more momentum after that 14 to six start. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can progress and being a two-dimensional threat rather than just, you know, being able to stop the run and being able to stop those outside uh, slants and stuff. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, he played really well, and he was a guy that, I mean, that was a position that I thought was going to be one of the fiercest position battles in fall camp, and he really seemed like he took the reins of it pretty quickly, and he was the guy, and he played like it last night, two and a half tackles for lost three pass breakups. He was really, really solid. Um, and again, like Ethan said, that was a spot. Tennessee was horrible at the nickel spot last year. They rotated so many different guys there and really never found an answer. So I thought that was a really good sign for him. And one, one note I just have on the defense overall, Demons played a lot of guys. We talked about the receiver group. They didn't play a ton of guys. Demons played a lot of guys last night. The backup linebacker, Solon Page, and Aaron Beasley played, I think, just two less snaps than the starters did. And look, if you want to – I think, you know, obviously Bowling Green's not very good offensively. They didn't do much offensively against Tennessee, but if you want to go back and look at where they had success, they had very, very little success against Tennessee's first-team defense. I mean, it was almost three and out every single time those guys were on the field. So uh, I think Tennessee, again, we knew the depth of this defense was going to be really bad. The question was how – and we know the defense isn't going to be good, but how, you know, how, how much can the defense hold its own? I think what you saw from the first-team defense week one, you, you can't ask for much more. Yeah. I'm excited. I think the secondary looked good. I also just, like, this was one of those where Bowling Green was, was really, really excited about how the, the first half ended, and it was 14-6. to 6. And I want to mention Heupel's clock management at the end of the first half, because I think that oh. is something that's going to be lost um, from this game. People might not remember, but I was, I was very upset and very annoyed about what was happening there. Um, but they were talking about, like, Scott Luffler's offense is just all digging ducks they were doing play action over i wish i could it had the nfl sortable stats because i want to pull that up of how many were play action rollouts um for bowling green but that's what luffler was doing and all these five yard outs and that was it like they were gonna have to dig and duck their way uh through this tennessee defense and that was just not not happening eventually the, the bottom was going to come out and it did um so shout out to scott luffler who just continues to just put out some of the most putrid boring offenses no matter where he goes auburn virginia tech it doesn't matter i don't care that he's tom brady's close friend just i don't understand why this man keeps getting college football jobs um all that being said hypo um running the clock down (laughs) i I, 
I didn't understand this. It was like, you're not playing Georgia. What are you doing here? You're running it down. Like we, he burned what? 35 seconds to the end. Like, and then just took a Hail Mary shot at the very end. But like, what was that last drive at the end of the first half? And that was like one of those where, Oh no, this is, this is not good. This, it needs to be nipped in the bud this week like in practice this week you cannot be doing that kind of stuff against the floridas the bamas the georgias like i or even Pitt next week ryan what did you make of that sequence yeah well i'll start with what i think you were getting at a minute ago the not calling a timeout after the third down sack. what was that you had on, on bowling green i mean that was inexcusable uh, i'm looking around like i mean what, what is he doing he was standing right by the ref mm-hmm. uh, i'm like what, what is he doing here i mean i made because, you know, you're thinking, okay, they're going to have minute 45, Joe Milton, first time, run two-minute drill, three, two timeouts, call one. Again, they had three timeouts. wasn't like they were low on timeouts. going to be a very good test run for him. And then instead he gets a minute, and, you know, that's really where Milton had been struggling in that second quarter going into that. But one, I think it was today, two three-and-outs. One of them, three-and-out, didn't play very good. The other three-and-out, you had the bad Jalen Hyatt drop for about 20 yards on what was second and ten. So at that moment when you weren't able to get anything going in the two-minute drill, when you had good field position, that's when I kind of felt like the Willis were starting to fall off for Milton. But I will say, and I don't know if you were being critical of that, them running it down at the end, I thought that was smart. Oh, no, was, I was being critical. I didn't know why, no. What? No, yeah, it's Bowling Green. Bowling Green didn't take a timeout. Uh, it, it, it's for, you're, you're collapsing, first of all, if you want to look at it that way. You started mm-hmm. 14-0 quickly, and you have fourth and sixth at midfield. Well, why would you run a play with, with 30, 35 seconds? Because you're trying to get a field goal. I mean, if you – and then it easily just goes back the other way against you. Well, and, if that's how you're playing against Bowling off, Green, we got problems. If we're playing scared against Bowling Green and we're like, oh, the bottom might be coming out here, then we have problems. I mean, I felt like that was – I mean, I, I get your point, but we're talking about a quarterback who completed two passes after the first quarter last night. So I don't know yeah. how, how there's that – that high level of confidence in him to pick. And look, Josh Heupel coached that way too. Let's make sure this game does not stay close against the bad team. I mean, we saw it when he came out in the second half. They were just going to run the ball every single mm. play because they knew Bowling Green couldn't stop it. They weren't going to fiddle around with it. I thought that was the same way. I didn't understand why Bowling Green didn't take a timeout to make Tennessee punt and not be able to throw a Hail Mary. But I do see your point. And I would almost say be more aggressive against a better team you're trying to upset. And I get that Tennessee wants wants the excitement of the offense playing really good in Heifel's first game. But if you don't if you don't get that fourth down and Bowling Green does get another field goal, their kicker had just hit I think it was a 50 49 yard field goal to, to kick before, so they wouldn't have had to go very far. Then then the Boo Birds are coming down. Then you get the energy in the stadium of the Georgia State. Here we go again. Oh wow! Oh goodness! Oh. We don't have to bring Georgia State into this. We don't. Uh, we don't need any of that. Um, Ethan, what are you most looking forward to getting cleaned up in the pick game? What are your your early expectations coming out of this game that you would like to see uh, cleaned up next week? Uh, first and foremost, I want to see Milton do better, just passing the ball, being less one dimensional. Um, in the first couple drives. He was really good at that. I think he went four for five to the game and then seven for nine, both of them obviously ending in touchdowns. And, you know, I, I saw some promise in that. I think he can be really, really good with that. Obviously, most of them were just kind of check down plays. But I'd, I'd like to see with him looking downfield more, I want to see him hit Peyton over the middle. I want to see him hit Jabari Small in the flat for a 40-yard touchdown jaunt instead of, you know, th- 
throwing into double coverage for Cedric Tillman to make an incredible catch. I want to see more of the passer Joe Milton and less of the um, the runner Joe Milton. And that's not necessarily because Joe Milton is a bad dual threat quarterback. Obviously, you know, he has those intangibles, but Tyon Evans and Jabari Small should be able to hold you down on that front. And the Vols need to get some sort of passing game if they're going to compete against even Pitt and definitely the SEC caliber defenses that are coming up later in the schedule. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And people forget that he's the same size as Cam Newton. Some people had forgotten, but I want to make it very abundantly <laughs> clear on this podcast that he is the same size as Cameron he did the, Newton. He did the Superman touchdown celebration. Did you see that? I did. First score. People forget. Yeah. Cam 2.0, Heisman, here he comes. People Far too many people for <laughs> Did you know Alvin Kamara was a Tennessee ball? Um, also, very awkward that T. Martin was not there last night for that situation. That because um, everything was great about that. I don't know if y'all picked up on it, but people were looking around at the T. Martin not being there. Situated that that was awkward. I, I don't know how they could have done that otherwise, but that was that was unfortunate because um, that was a great great moment. But T. not being there and then talking about to you is kind of awkward did y'all get that from the booth not really uh, i mean I, I i noticed that he wasn't there at the ceremony earlier in the day and, and who who was it that was there representing him that's what that's what i couldn't figure out i didn't know either, either. i don't did think they made that clear that? i don't know it was very strange yeah, people in the we were all looking around like what's happening here who is this person why why is t not here like did he decline was that one of those because of how last season ended and him being in baltimore did he decline yeah. i mean i don't know my my i imagine that he's just using the you know he has work in baltimore as a cover not the cup now i don't know if it's because of how last year ended he feels sour or anything like that i don't think so i mean he yeah. released a statement when they announced they were doing it you know being very thankful um but I, I i'm with you i mean it did feel a little odd even though he's with the ravens that he didn't come it's not like baltimore's playing this weekend even in a preseason game right um ryan what are you looking for to get cleaned up after this after this game what you saw what what are you most looking for um against Pitt next week yeah i'm with you for number one to some passing game how much can they clean up on the passing attack and and I'll be interested to see what what, the, what does the run blocking look like next week. And it continue to be pretty solid. Is Tennessee going to be able to run the ball on the South Carolina, the Missouris, the Kentuckys of the world? You know, I don't think they're going to be able to do it against the Georgia and Alabamas. But if they can do it against those guys, I think you're all of a sudden asking Joe a lot, lot, lot less out of Joe Milton. And having offensive success is going to be a lot more sustainable. And on the defense side, I'll, I'll be really interested to see what the rotation looks like next week. Like I said a minute ago, the, the front seven, they played a ton of guys pretty much basically – evenly split between first and second teams so i wouldn't expect that to be the same next week especially at linebacker but i'll be interested to see how those snaps get allocated and a defensive back too because uh george uh, got a lot of snaps and he didn't play great last night i'm most curious about the running game if they're able to do this again against a better defensive front and pit i'm we'll get into the preview next week but that is that is what i'm most looking forward to because Tion evans looks like the real deal and i think he might be a dude um just it's going to become part of the norm and it's not going to be a surprise uh sooner than later and also i'm concerned about cooper mays um hypel said he expects to have him back next week but that looked bad and he kept playing for a little bit like he did i think he yeah. he still played for like two more plays right looked at 
girlfriend, I was like, why is he still out there? Like, he can barely move. What are we doing? Why has he not been pulled yet? And he finally gets pulled after two more plays in the field. I didn't like that. I don't know why he was still out there. Because he was visibly hurt. And it was one of those where I was yeah, like, why was, is he, he out there? Around. Yes. So I don't know what was going on there, but that was not the best of looks either. But um, we'll see if he's back and, you know, if this offensive line can handle this up-tempo style. Because that's the other thing. These are big dudes. And I, uh, we were moving. The tempo was pretty wild in the first quarter so we'll see if that continues on um against Pitt who very much does not want to play that way with Pat Narduzzi um guys what can we check out from you this week Ryan Rocky Top Insider Smokey's Baseball saw the development just got more expensive in my neck of the woods in Old City 9.5 million dollars more or something um but uh yeah they're they're not really all that concern the smoky's owner he's like yeah that's fine uh it's not a big deal um what can we check out from you and the good folks at rocky top insider yeah we'll have plenty of stuff recapping uh the bowling green game i'll have some pro football focus grades out later today and we'll have everything get you ready for pit next week and then uh, a, a little plug as well pro football focus tied in uh elijah simmons was the ball's highest graded player last night that played at least 30 percent uh, oh, interesting. Or offensive snaps. Elijah Simmons made his first start this week. I had a feature on him in Rocky Top Insider last week. So go give that a read uh, on the Junkyard Dog and, and a fan favor to start to make a bigger impact on the field. That's wild. And he was like the big surprise, even getting a start. He had a really rough spring and summer and fall camp. So him pulling that off is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, what can we check out from you, Ethan, in the UTK Daily Beacon? Yes, so we had a game recap that went up last night, uh, early hours in the morning. I also just finished up uh, my notebook, just some takeaways on the game. And then obviously we're going to have a preview, some keys and predictions for next week's game against Pitt. All right, go check that out. Go get your copy on campus. It's around there if you're walking around campus. If you're you're driving around and you're looking for something to do as you can't find a parking spot over the course of an hour, um, get through the Daily Beacon. Read some Rocky Top Insider. You'll, you, I promise you'll have time finding a space, so just make sure you have that ready to go. Um, but there you go. Guys, thank you so much for making the time. Per usual, uh, I will talk to you next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.